The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to episode one of the Jenna Coleman Appreciation Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sai, and joining me on this new venture on SJP World Media is Mr. Dan Griffin. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing very well, mate. Doing very well. Not quite sure I'm going to marshal you and keep you in check in this episode with the with your notorious love of the uh, the lovely Miss Coleman, but we'll find a way. <laughs> Yes, no, of course, this is not actually going to be the Jenna Coleman Appreciation Podcast. It is the Doctor Who pod. However, maybe we'll make a note of that for a future future series. <laughs> we can just cover all of Jenna Coleman episodes and then go back to her Emma Dale run and anything else she's been in as well. <laughs> God, see, this is how I got. So this is how I got talked into uh, unbooking the tanker tour. It won't be that many episodes. It's over a year's worth of content. Shit. But I'm having yeah. a good time doing it. So, yeah, why not? I mean... There you I go, mean, mate. There you go. Well, Jenny Coleman's fantastic, in fairness to her. This, you know, the episode we're looking at today, this is her first appearance in Doctor Who, and, and she absolutely steals the show. She's Yeah, she's um, not just because she looks amazing, but because she is just superb the whole way through this. I mean, this is uh, Asylum of the Daleks, first broadcast on September the 3rd, 2012. So, very close. It will take a few weeks, Dan. Ten years. Yeah, just about, just about, and uh, I texted you when I was watching this. I was, I was, it was almost worrying, just how much of this I could almost quote, uh, quote word for word. Yeah, <laughs> on here <laughs> makes no difference. You know, a decent paraphrase of it. Um, so it's, a, but it's a fantastic episode, and I'm really excited to get into it. Well, yeah, let's, let's dive straight on in then, Ben. Let's dive straight on in. Uh, we start off with basically the, the Doctor's on Scarrow, isn't he? Yeah, and there's a giant hundred story tall Dalek statue building thing mm. like imagine you know imagine the, the Statue of Liberty for Daleks absolutely <laughs> yeah. enormous and he's, he's been sort of summoned he's been summoned there by this mystery woman hasn't he mm. yeah yeah it gives him some I... gives him some gives him some guff about um about a daughter being held in a Dalek labor camp and what I like is right from the very off the doctor is side eyeing her and being suspicious. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, I, I know it's difficult trying to apply logic to these scenarios. We're, we're talking about a time traveling alien for crying out loud, but you kind of would do that, wouldn't you? You would be thinking, yeah. okay, I'm on Scaro. You're here. Why are you here? This is weird. And you would be a little bit, you would just, you would just take it all at face value. Would you? No, not at all. And, I do quite like the fact that they put enough thought into it for um, for this mystery woman to say, 
uh, well, I had to get your attention somehow. You know, what better way to get the doctor's attention than to send an SOS from Scaro? Yeah. That's going to that's gonna bring him running, no matter what. Yeah, very true. Uh, I mean, with regards to Scaro itself, it's a mess, isn't it? It's an absolute... There's stuff on fire, the place is trashed. It looks a state, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The, Scaro is in bits. It's blatantly... But it's blatantly post-time war. Mm-hmm. Like the home planet, the Daleks is knack- is knackered to put it to put it lightly. But it's it's a great visual to kick off an episode, and uh, a really good um, a really good opening monologue. Which I'll be honest, I forgot to go back and, and transcribe. I've I've failed in the one and only thing I bring to this show, apart from the tropes, <laughs> <laughs> apart from the tropes and the dirty jokes. <laughs> Uh, it's brilliant. I mean, this whole opening scene to me. Um, with regards to this episode, then, okay, I I can remember bits of it, obviously, because you know it, it, it's ten years old. I can remember watching this one when it aired. Obviously, Clara's in it, or Oswin, as she's referred to here. And I can remember like the rough gist of it, but there's certain aspects that you know just sort of fade into my memories, I guess, as as I sort of as time passes and I watch more TV and so on. So despite knowing kind of where we were going on an episode of New Who for a change, there were still plenty of moments that I, I couldn't recall. And mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the visuals, for example, it, on this episode are really what stand out to me. Some of the visuals are just like, they're incredible. I mean, the Scaro itself, as we covered there, then the whole creepiness of this this lady who supposedly sent him an sos message and the doctor grabbing her hand and saying she feels cold why are you here this doesn't make sense and all that it's kind of really setting the scene and yeah. i mean we'll come to it shortly that the the, the the dalek parliament the visual of that is amazing there's there's certain things that watching this episode back i was i was like why that looks brilliant yeah, it's really visually impressive episode. Uh, I actually, I've got, I found the, um, I found the monologue for, uh, from the start, saying uh, just it just makes the Doctor sound incredibly badass. They say first there were the Daleks, and then there was a man who fought them, and then in time he died, because this is after the Doctor has faked his death. Yeah. In the previous series, uh, there are a few, of course, who believe this man somehow survived and that one day he will return. For both our sakes, dearest Hannah, we must hope these stories are true. And it's just just that alone, as, you, as you're seeing the, the Dalek, the giant Dalek, as the camera pans around and gets to the eye stalk and the Doctor's walking in to meet this mystery woman, I, I'm just, I'm there, I'm hooked. Yeah, straight like, away. What is going on here? And the, the stalk coming out of the forehead when he when the, when the Doctor triggers the trap and the, uh, the, the blaster coming out of her hand, what a fantastic, like you said, just fantastic visual. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I got vibes of, um, I think it was a Christopher Eccleston story when they were on the, uh, is it the bad wolf? And they were logging into, is it the bad wolf or is it the one with Simon Pegg in it? Uh, Sam, uh, if you're talking about the one with the holes in the head where they're logging, you know, like they just click the fingers, the hole opens. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's the one with Simon Pegg. That's the one with the uh, the Jagrafess, where it's keeping everything yeah. cold up top. Yeah, that's right. And they can sort of patch into the news and download all the information they need and so on. Initially, I got vibes of that because it's coming out the same spot in their forehead, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, yeah, I never actually thought of that. 
because it was something coming out rather than just a, a really bad CGI frontal lobe. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was 2005. We've said about how CGI keeps up. But, yeah, just absolutely stunning opening. And uh, and then we just go from there straight to Amy Pond doing the photo shoot because apparently she's a model now. Apparently, yes. And Although, this is... I think that they may have actually established that at the end of last season because I'm sure the Doctor essentially goes around and just sort of sees everybody one last time. And he, he looks up and Amy's got like a giant billboard or, or, you know, huge thing right, in, the, okay. in, the, in the department store. Um, so they did establish that in fairness. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't remember that, so... I've, I've literally just remembered it now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the one... And this is a personal thing. It's not me criticising the episode or the writing or any anything. Like this. this is literally a personal thing for me. This is where we start to get the Amy and Rory stuff going on that I'm not a fan of. Mm. Yeah, it's understandable. Because um, I guess they're just trying to establish how much time's passed since the since the end of the last series. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been it's been long enough that Amy and Rory have obviously massively fallen out. The relationship's broken down, and they're having a, seemingly quite nasty divorce. Mm. Yeah. Um, which you know, if you're a fan of them, then that's a, a really big turn. If like us, you if like us, you're not massive fans of Rory. You think brilliant. That means the Doctor's going to side with Amy, and we get Doctor and Amy and less Rory. <laughs> yeah, less Rory is always good in my book. However, whilst Amy is at her her photo shoot, her model shoot, uh, we get another. I reference them here on my notes as a, a Dalek dickhead because you get the thing coming out of the head, don't you? The eye stalk and that. You know? So we get another one of those arrive, and the whole time this is happening, because we get another one shortly after, something on the bus with regards to where Rory is. I, I want to call them Dalekons, you know, instead of Unicorn. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Each time this happens, we hear a Dalek voice basically saying, the Doctor is acquired, and Amy Pond is acquired, and, and all this sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's obviously they're gathering them for a purpose, aren't they? And as we've seen in many episodes, the light bulbs flashing mean shit is going down. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what I love as well. But the fact that these could be anybody, you know, it's, it's you know the makeup woman uh, Amy Shoot, who she obviously knows and they've worked together. Then out, you know, and Amy's just seen Rory, and it's now you know it's not gone well, and you know they've, they've been dicks to each other, and she's maybe regretting it a little bit, so she's not paying attention. Then boom, Dalek. Yeah, Rory's just getting on the bus. Same again, you know not happy with how anything's gone there. And then you get a really great shot in the uh, the bus's mirror and you see the stalk and the weapon coming out of the driver. Yes. I love that. I thought that was a fantastic little touch. Um, but I remember at the time, this whole idea of Daleks hiding inside humans just absolutely blew my mind. Right. Because I was just thinking, what? surely that would be against what Daleks stand for. Daleks are very, you know, they want to stay pure. They want to be, you know, they're essentially eugenicists, <laughs> wanting, to, wanting to keep the, the gene pool pure and things like that. But then it fits the kind of adapt to survive. Yeah. There are, it's that there are means of, to an end. Yeah, means to end is a good way of putting it. In my, in my head, I was just thinking it's a case of it serves a purpose for them at that time. Yeah. I suppose yeah, it's, it's not something... As- 
the same as the Robo Men in in the Doctor Who and the Daleks story we looked at from the William Hartnell era. I think that was in our first season, wasn't it? Was it in this? It season? was, yeah. Yeah, it was first season. We've still got Hartnell coming up this season. Yeah. So again, they're using humans there that are kind of half robot, half human, whatever. And it's again, it's, to me, it's a case of a means to an end. It's a case of that, that that helps them in that particular situation. So is this kind of similar, maybe? Yeah, if if I'd have remembered about the Robo Men, then that would have made perfect sense. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. And then Doesn't happen get... often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'll, I'll give you that one, mate. You got you got to have a got to have a little win after you've been poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Although what the, from this though, you know, the whole X Y Z are acquired. They are, they wake up in a you know in this white sort of clinical round cell at Duamy and Rory, and mm-hmm. we get something that sort of happens more and more in these sort of final few Amy and Rory episodes. We get the reference to number eleven, with obviously uh, Matt Smith being the eleventh Doctor. Right. Yeah. So he's saying, you know, how, so how much trouble are we in? And he's like, how much trouble, Mister Pond? Out of ten, eleven. But that in itself as well, the way the Doctor enters the room, I thought was fantastic because it, this is something I think is going to be a running theme throughout this episode as we look at this particular particular episode of Doctor Who. There's massive, huge visuals that are incredible. Mm. There's also smaller visuals, like certain rooms and corridors that look great. But then there's also just moments that I think are really well done. I mean, you mentioned the the, the Dalek eye stalk coming out of the bus driver and the way that was filmed. That was really well done. Here, mm. the door opening and the Doctor saying, how much trouble are we in as the Daleks walk in? And you see the Doctor last and he's walking in with the Daleks. That was surreal to me because he's walking in with the Daleks. It's almost like he's... Obviously, we know it's not the case, but it's almost like he's aligned with them at that moment because that, that, they're walking in all together sort of thing. That was... I thought yeah. that was a really well-filmed, cleverly shot moment. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, because imagine being Amy and Rory and seeing that and thinking, hang on, what the hell? Yeah. Because we know we know he's under guard, but they don't know that, and the way he's positioned is completely wrong for somebody who's under guard. Yeah. It, but, yeah, brilliant stuff. And then we get the Dalek Parliament, which you referenced earlier, and how awesome does that look? That's incredible. Even That's now, slightly different types of Dalek dotted around as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, well, in the pre, in the in Matt Smith's first season, uh, they had the episode with Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. where some where a Scottish scientist had quote unquote invent, invented these iron sides, which were actually Daleks, and right. way beyond any technology that they had. It turns out he's a robot created by the Daleks to build more Daleks to then get the Doctor in. And then he, the Doctor recognising them as Daleks produces more. Yeah, okay. So it's simple, logical storytelling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they brought out these these sort of... <laughs> the, they brought out these new style of Daleks, and, and they're all colourful and all like that. It was kind of... You had like an original Mini, which was the original Dalek, and then you go for sort of the fat boy versions that they have today, where they call them mm-hmm. Minis, but they're actually quite big cars. So brought yeah. these, you know, these huge, like multicolored Daleks. Um, so that sort of, you know, they've taken the time to remember that, dot them around the Parliament, and then even later on, when everybody's asking questions, and Rory says, "What color?" Mm. It's a stupid throwaway question, 
for a borderline pointless character at this point, in the, <laughs> to that point in the episode. But still, they are different breed, different sort of strands of Dalek. Yeah. So it, I suppose it did have a point, really, but not just not a very good one. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love the Doctor in this scene. Say, you know, Amy's whispering, you know, what do we what do we do? And he just says, make them remember you. Basically, put the try and shit them up a little bit. And he's he's giving it. What are you waiting for? It's Christmas, and he braces for extermination. And then you hear the line, "Save us!" Oh yeah, from a Dalek. Yeah, and the way it kind of echoes and gets bigger and goes all around, and it, oh, that's another one of those amazing. Yeah, that another of those amazing visuals. Just the lights on the Daleks are are going off as they're all shouting this. It's and then the line by Matt Smith as well, right at the end of the of the intro. Well, that's new. Yeah. That, that's brilliant. <laughs> because because hearing a Dalek ask to be saved mm-hmm. is comp- we've not seen anything like that before. Not not on that scale. The the Dalek in the episode we covered, Dalek in the first season, yes, manipulated its way to being saved. This is the Daleks taking the <laughs> plucking the Doctor out of time. Uh, bring him in and saying, "Yeah, you're gonna save us." It's just nuts, and then we get the the intro, which is always cracking. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a brilliant, I suppose, opening. I don't know what you call it, op- opening segue, opening trailer, whatever, opening section of the show, whatever. Because you've had so much go on there in those first few minutes, and it's really set the scene for this mm. new, well, new episode and new series, I guess. With so much going on. And of course, the Daleks being there always, you know, rings the nostalgia bell for everyone as well, doesn't it? Of course. Um, oh, yeah, the old enemy are back, but not quite how you'd expect. Yes, yes. Uh, whereabouts do you, do you kind of want to go from here, Dan? Because we get our first sighting of Oswin pretty soon here, but we also have stuff going on back at the the, the Parliament of the Daleks. Where? What do you want to cover first? Because I know how much you love this episode yourself, so. I'm quite happy to to sort of go in sequence, really, because it's it kind of makes more sense that way. You've got these two sort of st- stories and two things happening. You've got what's happening with the Doctor, Amy and Rory, and then you've got what's happening with with Oswin. And they are on, on a collision course, essentially. Yeah. So it makes sense to flip back and forth, you know, to see what, and what who's doing what at the, sort of the same time. Um and it's just it's just so bizarre. We've gone from the Dalek Parliament and the, the bizarreness of the Daleks begging to be saved to some random woman who we've never seen before who's been on a crashed spaceship for a year, boarding up the door and making souffles to stop the Daleks. Yeah. It's complete it, it's completely bizarre. It's a total one eighty in the tone of the show. But somehow it fits and somehow they make it work. I don't know if it's just a running Dalek theme or what, but... I think that's what it is. I think there's... uh, The first time I would have watched this, I would have seen little bits, but not necessarily picked up on them to the level that I do now, knowing what I'm Mm. looking for. But they sort of register in your subconscious, I guess. But the the whole stuff with, with Oswin and being on the ship and so on, 
you're looking at where she is and the stuff that she's looking through, for example, her, her mm-hmm. visor or whatever, it's obviously a Dalek eye, but you don't twig straight away. And if, it's, you, I mean, if, you, those, if you mean, if you mean, you didn't twig till the end at the time. This is it. And it's those little, I suppose, little, I, I suppose, touches that I think link it all together. Well, I mean, if she was just in a spaceship and looking out of a square window, maybe it would feel that scene would feel even more jarring or taking you away from what we're doing on the other side of the story. It's mm-hmm. like little subtle touches that kind of link it back to what the doctor is doing in the parliament. Maybe. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I noticed looking back this time when I'm really, really analyzing it is that she's boarding up the door, which is a registers is a bit weird against the Daleks anyway, but it's obviously yeah. working. So you just kind of park it. But then when the attack intensifies, she lays on the sofa and puts music on mm-hmm. and drowns it out. And, you know, the boarding up the door and putting the headphones on so you can't hear it and just ignoring it, that is such a really good subtle hint at what is actually going on. Because, spoiler alert for those who don't know, um, <laughs> <laughs> Clara is fighting conversion. She's fighting, yeah. she's fighting the conversion in her mind to becoming, essentially becoming full Dalek you know, in body and mind. And it, there's so much in this episode that I notice now. And it's so much, you know, foreshadowing or hinting or sort of hiding in plain sight what's happening. And I just, I, I could I could go three hours on this. I'll try not to, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is very, very cleverly done, isn't it? All the way through the episode. <sighs> We see here as well, though, obviously she's making the souffle and so on, and but she's also recording her thoughts, talking to her mum, I think she is, isn't she? Yeah, which becomes a running theme for Clara. Um, there's a, a big deal made about um, about her parents um, because I think both her parents died young, um, or at least her mum did. I can't remember the full story of uh, full story of her mum and dad. I know her mum died young, um, so that yeah, that's a, that's a running theme throughout the. Uh, sort of throughout her time, throughout her early days. Mm. Okay. Okay. I mean, back in the, uh, the Dalek parliament, however, the doctor has basically been, we're getting more of the, more of the scenario of what's required filled out for us here, aren't we? Oh, we are. And sorry, I'm going to have to surmise again. Uh, yes, got, tra- sorry, transcribe again. I love it when Amy's surmising what he's doing uh, for Rory's yes. benefit, because it, it's another sort of hint of how well she knows the doctor and how she knows how he handles these situations. So she just out says to him, he's chosen the most defendable area in the room, counted all the Daleks, counted all the exits, and now he's calculating the exact distance we're standing apart and starting to worry. Oh, look at him frowning now. Something is wrong with Amy and Rory, and who's going to fix it? And he straightens his bow tie. Yeah. (laughs) As he's he's actually straightening the bow tie up and just like, right, let's fucking do this. (laughs) Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And then he starts talking to, to the Dalek Prime Minister. Yeah, that's a weird concept. <laughs> yeah. But before he talks to the Prime Minister, did you clock the, the rather chilling exchange with the woman who abducted, with the sort of Dalekized human who uh, abducted him? Yeah, the doctor mentions about, you know, can you remember anything? Have you got your own memories? And even says to her, you've got a daughter. And she leans in, doesn't she, and says, I know, I've read my file. 
Oh God! <laughs> but it's the way it's the way the doctor puts it. He said, "Do you remember who you were before they emptied you out and turned you into their puppet?" Yeah, emptied you out. Yeah, it, like as if as if a brain's been scooped clean. You know, and then, and then he said, "Oh, I know. I read my file, and there was no, there was absolutely no need for her to lean in like that." No. But what a, again, just a really effective touch. Because the, obviously the Dalek part of her has clocked what Matt, what uh, the Doctor's trying to do, trying to do, and she's matched it to try and freak him out. Yeah, it's like, oh. it's like some sort. It's like some sort of sort of psychological warfare, I guess, isn't it, between the it's, two of them? It's, it's like a so real. Kind da- of- it's so dark. Yeah, and it gets worse as well because we find out we're at a Dalek asylum, which is in legend a dumping ground planet where they imprison the Daleks that go wrong. <laughs> the battle scarred the insane, the ones that even the Daleks can't control. Yeah, which is a whole new level, isn't it? That that's some batshit crazy stuff that we're about to encounter. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna see some fucked up shit. Also, but this is also yeah, yeah. This is also another moment that I think is really, I was really really clever at setting how sinister and evil the Daleks are, but then at the same time, whilst putting that forward how dangerous the asylum is in the same context because the the doctor is asking well why don't you just destroy them all why don't you just get rid of them and the this response the daleks basically explains that the hatred is beautiful it is offensive to us to extinguish such divine hatred that's oh my word (laughs) And he's, then the, the Prime Minister Dalek says, does it surprise you to know the Daleks have a concept of beauty? And it's again, there's more of this verbal sparring. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor saying, I thought you'd run out of ways to make me sick. But hello again. You think yeah. hatred is beautiful. You know, he questions it and he's, he's got real sort of, it's a calm kind of venom in his voice. And the, but the Dalek Prime Minister gets the last word and said, says, perhaps that's why we've never been able to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so many levels to what's going on here. I mean, you could take it literally as just an exchange between the two. You can look at the, the, the darkness and sort of preempting the potential horrors that are in the asylum. You also see the Daleks building up that sense of evil and and hatred and so on in their own characters, their own their mm. own ways by the way they're talking. It's just so many levels in that small exchange. It was just fantastic. Oh, yeah, and, but the way the Daleks view the Doctor as well. Mm. We find out later that they call him the Predator because he's the one who's killed the most Daleks. Yeah, you know, wiped them all out in the Time War and, and all the rest of it. So they consider him essentially the apex life form if he the daleks consider themselves the pinnacle of of evolution and the soul you know the soul power in the universe but they refer to him as a predator as their predator they're gonna fire the doctor <laughs> at a planet yes and that's funny as well the exchange is that he's there to, you know the doctor amy rory uh, sort of exchanging you know their thoughts on what's about to happen. And <laughs> Amy turns to the doctor and basically says, is it wrong that I'm in- enjoying this? <laughs> I think that's a little bit later on. Oh, is um, it? Okay. Potentially. Yeah. Cause the, just before that, they've explained that the, the sound's fully automated, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, Daleks are always armed. 
and then they get the the signal that's been broadcast that alerted them to to intruders in the asylum. And this is the level this episode goes to. So the doctor says to him, basically, you know, have you thought about actually talking to them? Mm. And you know, obviously they haven't because they're Daleks. Um, so the doctor gets the signal, and it's a song called "Lamor Lamor in Wazochabel." Love is a rebellious bird, and it's from Carmen. And it's a song. It's also known as Habanera, and it's the entrance aria of the title character in Carmen in the opera. Okay. So the entrance aria of the title character being broadcast by Oswin, who will go on to be the Doctor's primary companion in about four episodes' time. How is that for foreshadowing? Yeah, levels, mate. Levels. (laughs) As I tweeted out before, I never thought I'd be talking about opera on this podcast when we started, but that's what it went to. I just wanted to see what it was called. And then I found out that, and I was like, there is no way they put that song in without knowing the significance and what it would mean. That's just a nice nod for themselves, just to say. (laughs) We're clever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've been been to uh, opera. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst all this is going on as well, we get, but basically, we find out that the the Daleks are rounding up the Doctor and his companions because they're too scared to go themselves. Yeah. And that's an, another mm-hmm. moment. Again, it's a real quick thing. It's a real sort of, it's not throwaway. It's a bit more to it than that. But it's not something they dwell on too much in, in the course of the episode. But that, again, sets the scene, I think, for the sort of impending uh, impending danger they're about to about to enter. It really does. And it, it brings it sort of back to quite a, to quite a good series note because we've had stuff like, you know, uh, Oswin's introduced herself. The Daleks are confused by the music, which is funny. They found out that who she is. She's a junior entertainment manager on Starship Alaska that's shipwrecked. Um, she's been there nearly a year and she's been making souffles. And the doctor just says, souffles against the Daleks. Where did you get the milk? You know, that's that's his first question. And it's a really valid one when you think about it. Um, but you can see the sort of instant admiration for her. And then, you know, the, the doctor was playing the triangle for the, uh, you know, in the, in the song from the opera and, and stuff like that. And then it all gets brought back by the idea of the force field. And, you know, the Daleks has been too scared to go. So they've got the wristbands that protect them from the nanobots that converts living tissue into Daleks. Um, they've called him the predator. Uh, and he's, <laughs> the doctor just surmises, surmises it. And he says, "You're going to fire me at a planet. That's your plan." I get fired. I get fired. I get fired at a planet and expected to fix it. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and Rory pipes with, "To be fair, that is kind of your mo." (laughs) So credit to Rory. He gets a funny chalk one up. Yeah. But then the doctor just fires back with, "Don't be fair to the Daleks when they're firing me at a planet." (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a bizarre sentence. and you know, saying that the Daleks understand the Doctor does better when he has companions, and Amy's just like, "Yeah, fuck it, Geronimo." Mm. So that you know, they're in this gravity beam, and naturally, Rory's going head first instead of feet first, like a dick. Yes, I mean, don't go wrong. I, I appreciate sometimes you need a bit of the the light relief, a bit of the clown in the scenario, of course, and you do get that a lot, especially in New Who. I find there's always one companion or one. Maybe not even a full-time companion. Maybe someone who's just in an episode here and there that gives that light relief by being a bit of a klutz, a bit of a clown, or whatever. But Rory just gets on my fucking nerves, mate. 
it, you always get the sense he doesn't really want to be there. Mm-hmm. And he's basically his whole thing from the start is he's kind of tagging along to make sure the doctor and him are having it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Which, I mean, given that the first time Rory actually met the Doctor, he was popping out a cake that should have had a stripper in it, and he tells him that Amy tried to kiss him. Mm. Yeah, okay, so you can understand some of his concerns. The, the, day, <laughs> the, the night before their wedding. Yeah, it's not a good look. So, you, you, I can understand some trepidation, let's just say. Um, and just quickly, at this point, uh, when they land, there's a, there's a fellow there trying to open a hatch. And this is uh, one of two tropes I've got, so I'll launch into that, if you don't mind. Yeah, carry uh, on, please. This guy is uh, David Giassi, who uh, plays a character called Harvey, and he wasn't in any other episodes of Doctor Who, but he was in an episode of Torchwood. Uh, he played, he was a hospital patient in an episode called Combat, which I think was season two, where people were kidnapping uh, weevils, which are these bizarre, really strong-looking aliens in, uh, in boiler suits, and were using them for underground fight clubs. Oh, okay. um, yeah, and uh, the other the other ones. I just wanted to give a, a quick shout for two guys, uh, Barnaby Edwards uh, and Nicholas Pegg, who were both who have both been Dalek operators since the reboot started in two thousand and five. Um, so it's nice to have them around. You know, seventeen years they've been on the show. Yeah, uh, and Barnaby Edwards has also done a lot of voiceover work for audio books, video games. Um, and both guys were had, uh, had small roles in the uh, the five ish Doctors. Uh, reboot. I don't know if you remember that, which was released around the fiftieth. When you had the uh, Peter Davison, um, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, um, and uh, uh, Paul McGann was in it, and they were all trying to. There was a few of them trying to uh, sort of worm their way onto set and sneak in while they were filming the fiftieth. <laughs> oh, okay, that doesn't ring a bell, you know. It was a real fun, short little thing. It was only, about, I think, it was only about twenty minutes. Okay. But it was then basically annoyed that they hadn't been cast in the fiftieth, right. and trying to, you know, and still, you know, there in their in their old style costumes and trying to get just trying to get onto set in any way, shape, or form. I think I'll have to see that. I, that sounds I, good. Yeah, I think they actually ended up in inside Daleks. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of fun that was. So yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, to those guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, I'm going to find that. That that. What do you call it? say? It was called the Five-ish Doctors. Yeah, it was. I think it's the Five-ish Doctors reboot. Okay, I'll have to seek that out. I'll have to seek that out. Uh, you mentioned about the the individual who's trying, who's on the outside of a ship here. Amy's effectively landed in some snow, hasn't she? On some sort of what looks like a, I suppose a, a mountain range. I guess the Doctor has landed in a similar kind of area. Rory is somewhere completely different. Yeah, well, we saw him being fired at the planet and the sort of three beams, like, branched off. Mm. Um, so, naturally, it's it's Rory's one that has to be, uh, has to be off somewhere. Uh, Which, to be fair, when you think about it, the Daleks are, are, are so up on making sure the Doctor has companions to make sure he can fulfil this task. It's bad planning on their part if the beam is going to split all over the place and fire him around, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, think about the distance we're talking about there. You know, it'd be like... Trying to trying to throw a dart and hit a bullseye from you know from two towns over. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose, but still, not going to be easy. Did well to get him within like walking distance, really. No, I'm not having it. Do better, Daleks. (laughs) 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 To be fair, they they, they are they are a hive mind. They are hive mind geniuses. So yeah, maybe should Mm. be. uh, Yeah, 
Yeah, we should do better there. Half-assed job, that is, mate. Well, they're not have asses, so how can it be half-assed? All right, whole missing arse job, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that question. No, I don't know you. <laughs> but yes, Rory is uh, Rory's underground, and he's. <sighs> There's lots of dead Daleks everywhere, or so we think. But this is another one of the amazing visuals for me. It looks so cool. Just all these kind of casings, I want to say, that have obviously been sat there for a while. The place is damp, and you've got that atmospheric kind of dripping noise and almost echoey as they're moving around. It's it's so, again, atmospheric is the only word I can can, can pull out right now. That's what it is, isn't it? It's the complete change in colour palette as well. Yes. So you've gone from the sort of quite grand Dalek Parliament to the pure white of the snow, and now it's a real rusty, dank, orangey brown, decaying, mm. rotting. Oh, that, 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 there, that there, decaying. That is a perfect description. That's the, that's the perfect word. Yes. Yeah, it, and. Yeah, everything about it, even the, the music as well, or the lack of sometimes mm. when Rory's in here is just superb. It, it's just amazing. He's just you know waving his hand in front of the Dalek and recoiling, but realizes it's at the very least deactivated and, and you know just pushing it away. Mm. I mean that's that's braver than I'd be. Yeah, I'd be curled up in a ball crying. Yeah, I wouldn't be touching him. No. I know, I've seen what I saw what happened when Rose Tyler did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't go well, did it? Um, no. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it's just, again, just so well shot, so well filmed, and so well produced, the whole scenario here. But we jump back across, don't we, to the Doctor, Amy, and this chap that they've encountered. Harvey. He's trying to, sorry? Harvey. He's Harvey. Yeah. And they're trying to get into, he's trying to get into his, his ship. He says he's he's arrived with the ship, the Alaska, it's called. Yeah. And it came down a few days ago. And here's where we get the first, well, not the first, really, but one of the more obvious early on hints that something's not quite right with Oswin. Because mm. Oswin is talking about being there for a for- year. And also saying she arrived on this same ship that only came down a few days ago. Yeah, so Harvey says they landed two days ago and there were 12 other escape pods. And you can see the Doctor just clocked the time discrepancy there. Mm. So either something's wrong with Harvey or something's wrong with Oswin. So it doesn't add that. Yeah, yeah. 363 days, two days. Hmm. Mm. How are we going to do that? Um, And this is where it goes incredibly dark and brilliantly, just brilliant visuals yet again. When Harvey introduces the rest of the crew and they get no response... And then the doctor taps someone on the shoulder and it leans back and it's a rotten skeleton that's still partially fleshed. You can still see the outline of a face around the mouth. Yeah, cheek, the sort of gaunt in the cheekbone. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah it, it's not... It reminded me of, of the mummy, if you've ever seen that, when they opened the, the sarcophagus and he's... The, the sort of, you know, the corpse like pops forward and the, the sort of remarking on the condition of the body and they, they describe it as still juicy <laughs> <laughs> mm, juicy <laughs> yeah we've had corpse water now let's have yeah. now let's have sarcophagus and juice 
<laughs> dead, dead juicy cheeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, he nudged the body and then he's saying, you know, they didn't get this way in two days. Yeah. What the hell's going on? And then Harvey just pipes up and says, oh, yeah, I died outside and the cold preserved my body. I forgot about dying. Oh, and the Dalek wow. stalk comes out of his forehead. And yet again, I'm like, holy shit. You know, yeah. <laughs> absolutely blew me away. And the, somehow, you know, they back him up with a fire extinguisher, which is uh, very reminiscent of um, Inferno. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Amy seals him in a room. And that's when the Doctor twigs that the bracelets, are, uh, the wristbands, whatever you want to call them, are for turning organic matter, living or dead, into a Dalek. And he starts waffling on about how, you know, the nano cloud and if anything that attacks this place automatically becomes part of on-site security. And he, he's still waffling, and Amy keeps saying, living or dead. Living or dead. And then the doctor finally... The, the doctor just, like, slaps one of the corpses on the head. Yeah. Which is a bit weird. Yeah, why would you do that? And then he finally clocks what he's been saying, living or dead, and the corpse, the, the stalks come out of the corpse's heads. With some crusty, crispy noises as it breaks through. Oh, the yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was um, interesting. But I mean, we got a little throwback again here, haven't we? With references to nano cloud and so on, changing yeah. changing stuff into what what it's changing stuff into. And obviously, we had the nano bots, didn't we, back in the Eccleston episode? Episode with the uh, the hot was it the hollow child or mysterious? What was that one? The the empty child, yeah. The empty child, what a hollow child. <laughs> responsible for my fear of gas masks yes but that was the whole premise there wasn't it it was nanobots doing their work there so i like that because it's tying back in with something that we're already familiar with and how it works yeah except the the nanogenes in that two-parter in the eccleston two-parter were designed to heal people and the technology was just going wrong by chance in this the dialects have weaponized that technology Mm to make more of themselves, which, again, oh. is a perfect, perfectly Dalek thing to do. Oh, you Daleks, what are you like? Oh, eh? you <laughs> rascals. With your weaponizing of stuff, my God. With your what weaponizing gang- of medical equipment. What a gang of rolling little scamps you are. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an image now of Eddie. I've never actually seen the little rascals, but you know there's the one who always has like the strand of hair sticking dead up. I've got no idea what you're on about. I'm now imagining a Dalek with a middle part in and just a bit of hair, just like. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the doctor, the doctor, and Amy kind of fight off these. I, I kind of almost want to say zombie-esque efforts that we have yeah. confronting them. The doctor jumps over lots of chairs and and is kicking them out of the way and so on, and they get into a room and shut themselves up. And this, I thought, was done quite cleverly as well because it turns out that mm. amy has lost her her wristband that is protecting her from conversion and the the zombies are basically knocking on the glass going here it is <laughs> dickhead yeah <laughs> look what we've got <laughs> the, may, the, may, the may as well be stood there holding the holding the wristband and giving it the wanker side yeah <laughs> I, I don't know what obviously they're the bad guys we're not supposed to like them but i got a kick out of that i was like yeah that that, that was cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was brilliant but between getting into the room and seeing the having the wristband with them uh oswin gets in touch yes um 
because she's already spoken to the doctor previously when he was outside. Um, and she, she's given it a hold in an American accent, unauthorised personnel may not enter the cockpit. And, uh, and he just tells her to shut up. And she, she just outright insults him. It's a bad combo, no sense of humour and that chin. That chin. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor's asking what's wrong with his chin. He's like, careful, dear, you'll put someone's eye out. That is brilliant. <laughs> and Amy, Amy's just in the background like... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting... <laughs> We're getting sass from the souffle girl. We're getting sass from zombie Dalek dickheads. It's just, it, it, everyone's just sassing everyone. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's a complete sass fest. It is, man. Um, <laughs> and this is one of Clara's best, uh, sorry, Oswin's best lines is in this. When the doctor asks how she can hack everything from a crash ship, it shouldn't be possible. And she just sits there and says, is there a word for total screaming genius that sounds modest and a tiny bit sexy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the doctor's response is pretty just doctor. You can call me the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird to see the doctor flirting, but Yeah, but I mean come on, it's Jenna Coleman. We well, don't know that. No, no, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, fair point. Yeah, well, why not? Uh, yeah. well, as uh, as as Oswin says later, just flirting to keep your spirits up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we do head back to Rory, though, here, don't we? I mean, uh, I'd forgotten about him at this moment in time because what's going on with the, the zombies and, and so on. He's still t- pottering around all these, what you think are just empty cases or carcasses <laughs> or, or whatever. He's such a dumb fuck. He's just a knobhead, mate. He deserves to be exterminated. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He moves a Dalek's eye stalk and it sort of flits back into position. And he backs away and kicks some metal on the floor. Yeah. Which wakes them up, effectively. Yeah. And one of the Daleks is saying, eggs, 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 eggs. (laughs) And he thinks he means the balls that are on the Dalek's lower half. Yes. So So he gets a handful of Dalek balls. (laughs) <laughs> and he, and he, he's, also, oh. he's just offering him one and he's like are these eggs is this what you want <laughs> a handful of Dalek balls <laughs> <laughs> oh man if, if we did, if we sort of used quotes for titles that'd, uh, that'd be it mate that'd be yeah. it <laughs> well, I saw I saw my opportunity for the low hanging fruit, and I grasped it, much like Rory. That's like Rory did with his, with his Dalek balls, yeah. <laughs> and then, but it's that sort of eggs, eggs, eggs exterminate, and it, yeah. it's that sort of slow build into it. And as Rory just slowly shits himself <laughs> as he realizes. But the thing is, oh, it's like you said, mate. He's just a uh, he's just a knobhead. He's talking to the this Dalek like. Like it's a small child who who wants a particular toy or something, isn't he? He's going. Is this what you want? Is this is this what you want? Is this what you're asking? For? My, uh, my, the ju- a kind of justification that I've just thought of, or potential justification, is that Rory, by profession, is a nurse. He's effectively. It's not a hospital, but he's in a, he's, they're in an asylum, and these are effectively patients. If that sort of ingrained instinct to cater to a patient's need has kicked in, that could explain why he was trying to figure out what the Dalek wanted or needed. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, 
But I'm, I'm it's, but it's a it's, it's a fucking <laughs> Dalek. Yeah, but he's a knobhead. These are killing machines. So it's like, <laughs> and he has been told they're still armed. Yeah. Oh dear me. Hey, I think I did well to pull that one around. Actually, yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> but no, Rory, you fool. Uh, run, which he does, because Oswin opens a uh, opens a door for him. Um, I got a little kick out of this as well, though. I'm looking at all the time at the Daleks in the asylum because they're talking about Daleks from millions of years and all this sort of stuff. As he runs, you see a couple of Daleks there that I, I, I think I'm getting the title of this serial correct. We're from the Remembrance of the Daleks, which is a Sylvester McCoy story. You see okay. the one with the big singular gun on the front, it first with the white bottom, the white casing. That I first appeared in the Remembrance of the Daleks. And there's also. I call them like you know, imperial dialects, but I don't think that's the right name for them. The white dialects with the gold accessories. Hmm. They're from that same era. I mean, they were from before that as well, but Sylvester McCoy, Remembrance of the Daleks, because in, in Remembrance of the Daleks, there's two warring factions turning up. There's gray and black Daleks and white and gold Daleks. And then they, the one faction brings out this, this big Dalek with a massive gun on it and all that sort of stuff. They're in like, there. Like, like, NWO, like, like NWO Hollywood versus Wolfpack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the, the and, and the, they're in there as he's running away from it. Yeah, it's really cool. I got a kick out of that. Oh, like, I've never even noticed that. I'd have to go back. I have to go back and see it because I've watched this episode a lot of times, and that's just sort of bypassed me. But then I've never seen Remembrance of the Daleks, so mm, maybe not something okay. I'd uh, I'd ever clock. Um, uh, but the white and gold Daleks really stand out to me because they were Daleks that were on screen when I was watching as a child. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That that's uh, again. I shouldn't be surprised in this episode because it's full of stuff like that. Yeah, it's full of those awesome touches. Um, but yeah, Rory's safe. Essentially, we get the whole Jenna Coleman line, you know, flirting to keep you cheerful or keep your spirits up, whatever it was. Keep and then it's sort of de- <laughs> stop it. <laughs> sorry if anybody. Sorry if anybody heard that thud. Then on the recording, that was coming from size end under his desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> um, but what I did like is everything went quiet because it all got a bit awkward and then you can just hear Daleks screaming yeah and Rory just says anytime you want to start flirting again it's fine by me because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm actually I'm actually pooing myself now yeah um, we get back again, to him and oh go on sorry mate sorry I, I think that all these little touches the, the flirting with Rory saying that he's got a nice name um, and there's one moment she's saying, I'll oh, do this, do this, run here, stop there. Okay, now pop your shirt off. And, <laughs> and, and he's like, well, how will that help? And he's like, well, how, you know, Clara's... There's to be a reason. Yeah. And then you're flirting with the doctor as well and calling it, calling him names with his chin and so on. All this is doing for me is, well, first of all, it's, it's kind of all tongue-in-cheek and it makes you chuckle a little bit. But also, it's it's all happening at moments that are quite... Uh, quite dark and scary, and she is the light relief whilst that is happening. So naturally, as a viewer, you're growing quite fond of this character because she's almost giving you, uh, uh, giving you as the, as the viewer, you as the watcher at home, that little kind of escape from the scary moments. If that makes sense. Yeah, she's managing to be. She's managing managing to be a companion. Sometimes she's as smart, if not smarter, than the Doctor. Mm. And the light relief, all at the same time. Yes, incredible thing to write. Incredibly hard thing to pull off as well. 
Yeah. Stop it. I'm, I'm, Don't make jokes out of that sentence. I just realised what I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, I'm, see, I'm finding my own accidental innuendos now. <laughs> in your endo. Um, Way. <laughs> I've got so much editing to do tonight. <laughs> oh, that's got to stay in, but it's just going to be at the end all the, all the stupid shit. In it. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, God. The thing is, um, we do go back to Amy and Rory. Yes. But we, we missed a bit before because they had a sort of an exchange where um, the doctor sincerely asked, what can he do to help fix her, Amy and Rory? And she gave this sort of great speech about how it's essentially, it's, it's life, it's just life, it's that thing that goes on when you're not there. Yeah, that was a real one sentence, but it really rang home with so many companions in the past as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, because they've they, they gone all these fantastic adventures and then if they're lucky... They just end up having to live out a normal life. Mm. But how do you go from that to a normal life? And you know, we saw that with Sarah Jane coming back when it was David Tennant. Um, I, I'm assuming we're going to see it with um, with Ace and Tegan coming back yeah. in the in the near future. Um, yeah, real um, real sort of good moment because she's It'd be interesting desperate. with Tegan, especially. Sorry, because when Tegan left the show, she made the decision to to leave. And said that you know I'll have to go back and watch it again. But she made the decision to leave and basically explained why. Went to walk away, and then she changed her mind and came back. But the TARDIS had already gone. So I wonder oh. if there's going to be any touchbacks to that. So it's a real brief. It weren't made a big deal of. It was a small little thing. But I wonder if there's going to be any anything sort of brought back with that potentially. That sounds brutal. That sounds horrible. Actually, I've changed from. Oh fuck. Well, going to live with that decision now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. It's it's nice to have Ace back as well, um, because as we remarked yeah. when we looked at Survival, Ace never got a proper send-off on, on screen. No. So it is really good to see her coming back. She was my um, companion, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I know she was. It's um, I'm, and I, actually one of the when I saw the, uh, saw it on the uh, the sort of teaser trailer, and I clocked it was it clocked uh, she was ace. I just uh, my first thought was you. Yeah, it was like this guy's gonna fucking love this. He's gonna yeah. lose his shit. <laughs> oh man! And again, what, watching stuff back for the show with Ace in it. I mean, I got such a fond memory of the Sylvester McCoy Ace era, Remembrance of the Daleks, the White Daleks, and all that sort of stuff, because that was my era growing up. I was 87 to 89, or whenever it was. So I would have been uh, 6 to 8, 7 to 9-ish years old mm-hmm. when I was watching Dot 2. So I got such fond memories of that. Watching some of it back, it's not as great as I remember, but I've still got this link with the White and Gold Daleks, Sylvester McCoy Ace. That's That's my time, you know? Mm. Yeah, I understand. It's like um, it's like when uh, Billy Piper came back uh, for me when she was, you know, when she came back with David Tennant. Yeah, she not she not obviously not been gone as long, but it was amazing to see her come back and see all the because it was essentially all the companions come together at the mm-hmm. end of uh, at the end of Catherine Tate series. That was brilliant, and to have them all sort of piloting the TARDIS or helping pilot the TARDIS and then bring you know bring Earth back. Um, yeah, it, it, those sort of things are always always superb. And I saw I saw actually a thread on uh, on Twitter um, saying how Peter Capaldi's Doctor was the only one who never who never uh, got to revisit a former companion. Oh, okay. In, in the modern era, 
That's a shame. Um, I think that's right. Anyway, I can't, I can't remember who Eccleston revisited. But I'm sure it'll come to me, because obviously David Tennant had Sarah Jane and K9. Mm. Um, who did Matt Smith go back to? Anyway, I'm not going to try and remember it all here. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, that was sort of something that was pointed out that was quite interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Back to the episode. Yeah, back to the actual um, topic of today's podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome to the Sidetrack Podcast. Um, <laughs> um, Amy and the Doctor are just sort of descending this this ladder that they found from the cockpit, and Amy's asking what's going to happen to her, and, and you know, give it all. I'll, I'll know if you're lying. Blah de blah. And the Doctor's explaining about the nano genes. She's unprotected. She's being rewritten. Um, and the Doctor says, physically, you know, she says, "What will I get? One of those things sticking out of my head." And the doctor says physical changes will come later. What comes first is uh, with your mind, your feelings, your memories. And I'm sorry, but it's already started. She says, how do you know? And he says, because we've had this conversation four times. Right. What a great yeah. sense. You know, what a great moment. Where it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that realisation is just like, why? But again, it's another one of these things, you know, with the great visual, just very casually dropping that sort of verbal bombshell. And then Amy saying she's scared, and he's like, "Great, good. Hang on to scared. Scared isn't Dalek." Yeah. And this is sort of where the, the two st- the two story threads are, are literally physically coming together, where you know Rory's walking through the tunnels and, and uh, Oswin's calling him Beaky Boy, and uh, <laughs> he just says, "If it's a choice, I prefer Nina." Um, yeah. And Oswin just says to him, "Loving this, the nose and the chin. You two could fence." <laughs> <laughs> not there about Nina. Uh, they asked about um, oh my my first boyfriend when they were flirting in a room, weren't they? Oh, and yeah. Clara said my first boyfriend was called Rory. Oh, actually, no, it was Nina. I was going for a phase. I genuinely went online and looked up the name of Jenna Coleman's character's girlfriend in Emmerdale, hoping it was Nina to be a really <laughs> clever little throwback. <laughs> But it was not. It was. Oh well, we can't have everything. What a letdown! You can't have everything. Um, This next bit, though, was—it's always struck me as as a bit odd, even though it sort of makes logical sense. Um, Where the doctor tells Amy to keep watch and keep the door closed. Yeah. And the doctor saying to Osmin, Osmin, you know, she's got a visual on him, but why can't he see her? And she's just like, limited power, bad hair day, take your pick. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she's sending him a map and she's got Rory safe. And then Amy starts hallucinating. What What did you think of, of this bit with the hallucinating people <sighs> in, the, in the room beyond? Oh, it was a bit, it didn't quite fit in with everything else to me. Mm. I can appreciate what they're trying to do. They're trying to get, you know, that whole, her mind has been affected now and all that sort of stuff. It's another step towards, I suppose, take it, taking the viewer on another step towards that kind of, that, that, that progress of that transition that she's going through. Yeah. But I could have done without that, but it's a small, tiny little thing. It's not, it's not a major thing for me. It's, it, it's not like other moments on other shows that have happened. And we've been like, well, that's a bit wank. And it's took us completely out at, at, at the moment. This is, it's not too big a deal for me. I think. Yeah, it's one of those where the, the rest of the episode is so good mm. that this being a little bit average is quite jarring. But, but like you say, but like you say, it's not. Oh yeah, it's like you say, it's not bad. Mm. 
it's just not brilliant. But the for me anyway, the rest of the sh- the rest of this episode is so good that it this seems worse than it is. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's literally it's literally the the worst of a great bunch. I suppose it's it's yeah. not it's not terrible, but by comparison to everything else that is going on, it doesn't kind of compare does it it doesn't it doesn't stand up to the rest of the episode whereas at the same yeah. time it's still it's still not shockingly bad i guess yeah that's essentially what i was trying to drive i, I did quite i did find it quite amusing that amy was basically drunkenly telling the doctor to shush and it's okay because it's just people in there yeah. but it's but it's actually the the nano cloud warping her mind and then we get a great it leads to actually a great moment of peril where amy realizes that she's in a room full of daleks but the the, Dal- the corpse Daleks are still descending the ladder where that they've just come down. Yeah. So now the, they are like caught between a rock and a hard place. And the, <laughs> what did you make of the Doctor's way of getting out of this? This is where he he causes a Doctor that uh, sort of causes the Dalek to self destruct, isn't it? Yeah, because the weapon uh, the Dalek's weapons malfunctioned. He yeah. asks the Dalek to identify him. Although he says, who's your daddy? Um, yeah, that's Dalek I- Yeah. Dalek identifies him as the Predator. What you're standing orders against the Predator must be destroyed. So like, you know, how are you going to do that? A Dalek without a gun, you're a tricycle with a roof. How are you going to destroy me? And yeah, this- and it initiates a self-destruct procedure to blow up all things that are around it, I guess. Now, I think that was... But, but to me, there's, there's two two points to this. One it's really, really clever by the Doctor yeah. to use the Daleks' own hatred of the Doctor against themselves to save the Doctor and kill the other Daleks around them. I mean, that's a really clever little little twist, a clever little, you know, a little niche inside a niche there to make that happen. However, if that Dalek's gun works, none of this matters. It's very convenient. Yes, exactly. That's that's my only problem with it. It's very convenient, but I love the idea that. Well, one thing I love the uh, the shots from the uh, the Daleks' eye stalk. Mm-hmm. I thought they were really good. At, but the Doctor, you know, the Daleks assuming the Doctor's trying to interrupt the self destruct sequence says, oh, "Oh no, I'm looking for reverse." Yeah, yeah. And just, it's cool. like it's like explosive Dalek bowling <laughs> into the next room. <laughs> yeah, but I think this, the whole thing. I mean, ultimately, it's a TV program you're going to get moments that are quite coincidental, I suppose that what if that doesn't happen, then the rest of it doesn't happen at all. I get that. So the the gun not working is obviously a means to an end to be able to get this scene where the doctor uses the Dalek as, as you said, Dalek bomb bowling. And (laughs) it's a really clever concept for me that mm. only begins because it, because of a really lucky coincidence. But I'm okay with that. I get similar to pro wrestling. It, it's the suspension of disbelief, isn't it? I can yeah. look past, I can look past that initial coincidence to get yeah. to the good bit. Yeah, I can, I can as well, but it, it does leave another plot hole. Okay. What the hell happens to the Dalek corpses that are going down that ladder? Cause they're behind Amy and the doctor. They don't get blown up. We never oh. see them again after this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They just get completely forgotten about. But the show is this episode is so good. You don't care. No. <laughs> In my mind, I'm now thinking of them being halfway down the ladder, and the doctor blows up loads of Daleks, and they just go, 
shit, we're in trouble here. And I just changed their mind. <laughs> <laughs> Dalek's thinking, oh, no, fuck that. I'll go back I don't, and sit down. I, I don't fancy that look. He looks like he's going to be a bit of a challenge, that fella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going on. We're going to fuck him. Oh, God, he's just taken out Barry. Yeah. Oh, Barry! <laughs> Barry. Oh, I don't know why. Yeah, the idea of a Dalek called Barry is brilliant. He was on my darts team, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a Dalek you putting darts in the end of the little blaster thing and just boom. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they'd be really good at darts, wouldn't they? Because, well, actually, I don't know. Because it depends where they're playing darts. If they're playing darts against Time Lords, they'd suck. Because whenever they try and shoot the Doctor, they miss all the time. But whenever they're exterminating <laughs> other people, they hit them first time, don't they? So, I need a darts. I need a Dalek darts uh, number caller. You know, yeah. <laughs> imagine the 180 in a Dalek voice. I'm not going to try and do it. I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'm not going to do it. That'd sound wrong. No, nor me. Nor me. Um, terrible. <laughs> but plot holes aside, this actually f- physically brings the characters together because that's the same room that Rory just went through. And what I like is they actually show the sound of the explosion sh- uh, scaring the shit out of him. Yeah. And we, we get to have a badass doctor moment because Rory comes out, it says, Who blew who killed all the Daleks? And the doctor walks in, he's carrying an unconscious Amy, and he just stands up, Who do you think? Yeah. Was that a bit much bit on nose for you? Nah, nah, I'm fine with it. It was kind yeah. of was pretty cool. Okay. I liked it. Are you are you sort of on the other side of the fence? It was a bit too um, the line itself, who do you think, makes perfect sense because yeah, who do you think did that? Of course it's the doctor. Carrying Amy that way was that not a bit like you might as well have had a cape on and here comes Superman sort of thing? It, was it not a little bit much? Um, it maybe is until you get to the next little scene. Okay, when when they're debating whether sleeping will help slow down the process. Okay, and you can you can see Rory just get like a moment of hope in that question, and Oswin just absolutely destroys it for him. <laughs> yeah. She says, "You better hope so, because pretty sure soon she's going to try to kill you." Yeah. <laughs> what I do, like Amy wakes up and Rory's there. Says, "Do you remember me?" And she just slaps him, and she's like, "Yep, yeah, that's Amy." <laughs> and at this point, Oswin's freaking out, asking if they know, you know, how they make a Dalek, and they subtract love and add anger. Doesn't she seem a bit too angry? And Amy just sits up and says, "Well, somebody's never been to Scotland." <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was going to say, well, somebody's never been married. <laughs> I've been going through a divorce. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought she was going to say, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah just, again, a nice sort of moment of, uh, of levity after something quite um, mm. after something quite heavy. Um, they're, on now, they're on a teleport now, aren't they? They found this teleport pod yeah. platform. What would it be? A, telepo- a teleport device, I guess. Yeah, a teleport platform. Yeah, okay. And they need the force field to be dropped for them to get out. The only Oswin says she can do this, but basically is saying you're not leaving me behind. The yeah. doctor is, but the doctor basically has to go and get her. The doctor has to go and get her. Oswin has a healthy distrust of, mm. of strangers who have turned up on a Dalek planet. Um, yeah, as you would. Yeah, but again, the doctor goes through who she is, you know, junior entertainment manager hiding out in a wrecked ship, hacking the security systems of the most advanced warrior race the universe has ever seen. But you know what really gets me about Oswin? The souffles, and he asks again about the milk. Yeah. And he's like, seriously, is no one else wondering that? I was like, no. There's bigger issues to think about. Mm. 
And did you clock the absolute brutality of what of uh, of one of Amy's lines? Which one was this? So the doctor sums it up. In no particular order, we need to neutralise all the Daleks in this asylum, rescue all the women from the wreckage, escape from this planet, and fix Rory and Amy's marriage. And Amy responds with, okay, I'm counting three lost causes. Anybody else? Yeah. Ooh. 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 After, 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 after Rory had been care- after Rory had just been caring for her, making sure she was all right. I know the, I know it's maybe been a bit of a nasty divorce and nobody asked him to care for her, but that's a, that's a, that's a shot and a half. Yeah, but the thing is, he's still he's still all like, oh yeah, but this is this is I think part of the reason why I get annoyed with him, right? He's like a little lapdog that she keeps kicking, and he keeps running back with his puppy eyes. Yeah, but Amy, I love you, and she's just like, yeah, but I'm gonna go off with this fella now with his chin and his little blue box, and <laughs> his chin, <laughs> you know. And then she comes back and he's like, but Amy, I still love you, and I'm gonna wait for you for two thousand years, and and then they divorce, and then now. He's even now saying to her, "Oh yeah, but," and she's like, "Yeah, but, you know, but our wedding's a lost cause." And it's like, why is he? Why is he still bothering? Do you know what I mean? It's like again, again, with but with this stuff, when he, you know, looking after an unconscious person, that could be the nurse instincts kicking in. Yeah, uh, I'm being generous, yeah. but you know, he's still a bit of a, he's a bit of a simp. He's a bit of a wet lettuce, mate, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, it was pretty cool when he was a, 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 a an Alton Centurion. That, that was kind of cool when he walks into a cyber ship and demands to know where his wife is and one of them blows up behind him. Okay, one of the ships blows up behind him. It was in um, uh, it was the episode of Good Man Goes to War. Okay. Where Amy's being kidnapped and the doctor's rounding up all his mates and they're launching an attack on uh, on the people who took her because there's essentially an army holding her. Right, okay. If I can tolerate the Amy Rory stuff long enough, maybe I'll check that one out. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. You don't get you don't get a vast amount of Rory. Most of it's the doctor being cool as fuck. Ah, okay, cool. I'll watch that then. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm getting distracted again. Um, so yeah, Oswin's got a healthy distrust of her, of him as much. In sends the map, and the base got no choice. They have to go get her. Yeah. Um, and the doctor base. <laughs> the doctor uses the phrase, "If it gets too explodey wody in here, go without me." Explodey wody. Yeah. Mm. That's trying a bit too hard to uh, to yeah. recapture the magic of the timey wimey. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love this line though. <laughs> Rory questions. He says, "Don't worry about me. You're the one beaming up to a Dalek ship to get exterminated." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's great. Rory again though here displays his adoration for Amy, how much he cares for her, and so on. I guess because they're discussing the wristband situation, aren't they? And yeah he's saying that the Daleks replace, as the doctor explained, the Daleks replace love with hate. And this is quite brutal, I think. And this is one of those moments where I did feel a bit sorry for him, but at the same time, he's, he's a, he's a, you know, a fool to himself because he keeps going back for more punishment, but he basically explains, I'll put my wristband on you because I have more love in me. Our relationship has always been built upon me loving you more than you love me which that's quite a sad statement to hear, but his logic behind the Daleks replacing love with hate to help the transition and him then putting the bracelet on Amy. Whereas it's a little bit, a bit, you know, a bit icky and so on with the whole like, love you mm. this, love you that nonsense. When you boil it down to the logic side of things, that actually kind of makes sense in a weird way. Yeah. Cause 
Bear in mind, we've had at least one season, maybe two, and we've seen stuff like... Because Amy and Rory have known each other since we were kids, and he's always been infatuated with and always loved her. And see stuff like when they were kids, are like, you know, playing like hide-and-seek or blind man's bluff or whatever, and they're just, you know, her and a mate are sat there doing whatever, and, and Rory's just there with a blindfold on, just tottering around and effectively... Effectively, kind of been bullied, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just been like shunted out of the way and stuff like that. Um, you know, you know, he's, he's waited two thousand years. Uh, he's waited two thousand years outside the box, and he, you know, he's saying it because it's true. So just give me the out. And she slaps him again and saying that, you know, don't you dare say that to me. And he, he points out that she kicked him out. Yeah. And then it goes back to what happened at Demons Run. She's, you know, she points out that he wants kids. He's wanted kids since he was a kid and she can't have them because of what they did to her at Demon's Run. So she can never have children. So she didn't kick him out. She gave him up. Mm. And and here's a, a top tip. You, you could have probably just talked that out. Yeah, maybe adopted or... Yeah, rather than, rather than just giving him the boot. And being a martyr, and you know, giving him up, and having all the sadness, and causing you both a lot of pain. It's a lot of drama for drama's sake with these two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it could have, it, it could have been a conversation mm. that they are now having. Yeah, whilst they're surrounded by mental Daleks and souffles and stuff. Yeah, if 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 that's what it takes to get you two to talk to each other, maybe it's uh, maybe it's for the best that you're divorcing. Yeah, um, exactly. But what like again, that levels of drama? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two thousand years outside a box, waiting outside a box. I gave you up because I can't give you the one thing you want. It, it's it's a lot. Mm. It's a lot. But then we get another great reveal. The doctor's already put his wristband on me. Yeah, so it's, it's a you know non-conversation anyway because the doctor is without wristbands. Both of those two are okay, and I suppose again from a logic standpoint that does make sense not just because the doctor is the hero of the piece and he's trying to save everybody else and maybe sacrifice himself whatever he doesn't know if he's going to be able to get to osmin and get back again yeah so if he's going to be converted and die and whatnot anyway his wristband is kind of redundant if he's wearing it yeah and if he didn't if he does make it back in time it's only it's only going to be 10 minutes hmm it's going to be fine, surely, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he also knew that as long as they didn't know that she had the brace, the wristband, that Rory would have that conversation. Yeah, he counted on Rory. Do you know being the way he is? So that was that. That's how he fixes them. That's how he fixes the relationship and finally gets them to talk. Clever, isn't it? Very clever. It's almost like the Doctor's really, really intelligent. It is, isn't it? It's almost like he's always yeah. the smartest guy in the room, as we've said before. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, at least joint top in uh, in this episode with uh, with Oswin. Yes, very true, very true. Speaking of Oswin, however, the Doctor is on his way to go and bring her to the teleport platform, and we find out he has to pass through intensive care. <laughs> Dalek intensive care. Yeah, and this is. The way it's explained, you straight away think, okay, we've got the Daleks, then we've got the Dalek Parliament, then we've got going to the Asylum. So it's always like another level up, another level up. And I'm yeah. thinking they've, they've kind of got to that stage now. You're thinking there's not long left of the episode. 
that they're they, they've battled with a lot of stuff already. They're in this asylum. How are they going to get out? But there's one last final step into another mm. level of of adversary, isn't there? Yeah, and so you know he asked the question, "What's so special about this lot?" And Oswin's looking through the database, and they're survivors of particular wars. Mm. Uh, Spyrodon, which rings a bell, mm-hmm. because we covered that with uh, with Matt Willis on this in this series. Um, Kemble, Iridius, Vulcan, Exelon, none of those ring any bells to me. I uh, don't know about you. Exelon sounds familiar, but I may just be confusing that with something else. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, Oswin asks if that rings any bells with the Doctor. And he says, yeah, all of them. He says, how? He said, these are the Daleks who survived me. Hmm. <laughs> Chilling. Chilling. <laughs> And like some of them are chained up and some of them behind like in little sections and sort of sectioned off and that aren't they and it's it, th- again the atmosphere just changes again doesn't it yeah because oswin's trying to it, it's very tense at this point mm. as the doctor's very slowly making his way through and then they're trying to unlock the door she's trying to think trying she tries a thing as she puts it but accidentally unlocks the cages and, and unchains because the Daleks are waking up because the Doctor is there. Yeah. And this is one of the very few times you see the Doctor panic. He, The Doctor is completely powerless and panicking. And just as one of the Dalek sucker things gets to his face, it backs off. And they just back away. Mm-hmm. And you get Oswin down the, down the communication saying... Oh, that is cool. Tell me I'm cool, chin boy. <laughs> chin boy. She hacked the Dalek telepathic web and did a master delete on all the information connected with the Doctor. Wee-woo beep-boop. Wee-woo beep-boop, yeah. <laughs> I knew I'd get one in this episode. They've forgotten who he is, basically, haven't they? Yeah, she's removed all the information pertaining to the Doctor so the Daleks won't register him. And, but even the Doctor can't hack the path web. He's tried for de- you know for decades, mm. maybe centuries. Even he can't do it. So she says, "Come meet is, the girl who can." This to me is, I think, the Doctor's kind of twigging what's going on now. Yeah, well, I think he knew or had an inkling right from the start because he asks, he asks about the milk. Yeah, where do you get the milk from the souffles on a crash ship to to, uh, to make one a day for a year? Yeah, yeah, and and also she's in this. She's in the spaceship, isn't she? But it's apparent there's not much room where she is. She's got like the 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 cockpit area, the almost like a very small living quarters, and then at the back is the door that the Daleks are coming in from. I think it's meant to be an escape pod of sorts. Okay, right, yeah. So it's going to be quite small, isn't it? Yeah. I actually thought initially the milk and so on, yeah, that comes up, and it's kind of now in hindsight, knowing where we go in these last couple of scenes, it is kind of it does kind of slap you in the face a couple of times. You don't twig until the end, I guess. Yeah. Something that I thought was even more—I don't know if it was intentional, but I kind of—I kind of raised a question about it. She's boarding up the door. Where's the wood coming from? Because if they keep breaking the door, she's finding more and more wood. But she's in this tiny pod. I find myself whenever they looked at the, the sort of back end of of where she was, looking for broken wood or anything like that. To say, well, where's the wood coming from as well then? Because the milk question was put forward, I yeah. started second guessing other things. 
yeah, then uh, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a wooden spaceship. No, exactly. Yeah, and why would word keep Daleks out anyway? That's the other thing. Yeah, and when when you know what's going on, it all it's all so obvious. But yes. the fact that on first watch, you barely question it. Or I barely questioned it. I remember the first time I watched it, I barely questioned it. Yeah, I'm, Apart, I'm, I'm but, you know, a little bit was like, actually, seriously, and I'm just like, well, they're in the fridge. Mm. And then, but you don't think, but you've got to have enough for a year. You I know, kind of explained it away first time I was watching it. With that, she'd have something that would just generate it for her. Like on Red Dwarf, when they've got those things in the wall and you press the buttons and it makes their meals for them. That's kind like of where in, my... Um, so that's in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as well. There's okay. A, tele, a telepathic food generator where you put your face in and it, um, and it makes whatever you're craving. Right, okay. Yeah, something like that. I kind of just explained it away. As, uh, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say explained it away. I didn't even put that much thought into it. I just kind of half assumed that was what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, that, you just you because you want to find out what's going on, and you you're so focused on it, it just becomes peripheral. It becomes a, and it's presented as a peripheral question. It, it does, this episode does such a great job of guiding your thinking and guiding your thoughts and keeping you focused on what they want you to be focused on. And it's hiding it's hiding little moments and little facts in plain sight as well. Really yeah. cleverly done. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It, it, and I know I've said that a lot, but it really is that good. It really is. And then just that when he finally gets in and Oswin's beckoning, he's like, come on, come get me. And he says, and he says, Oswin, we have a problem. And she said, no, we don't. You know, and she's kind of freaking out. like, I'm this close. I'm nearly out. And she says, rescue me, chin boy, and show me the stars. <laughs> and he, he, Matt Smith, does it look real to you? Where you are right now, does it seem real? And imagine hearing that mm. when you've been living in fear for a year and you get told that it's in your own head because effectively your mind has gone into self-preservation mode. Yeah. She's so intelligent. She resisted conversion, resisted full Dalek conversion and made a pocket in her own mind where she could live as a human. It's all kind of metaphors as well, isn't it? She's literally boarding up her mind. She's boarding yeah. up her last little piece of sanity, her last pe- little piece of herself. She's using the music to drown it out, as I, as I was saying earlier. Mm. It's that, yeah, the, the bards making the souffles to distract herself, talking to a mum. She's holding on to to a base self by doing those things and and still is subconsciously using her access to Dalek technology to help people out. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so clever. Deal, isn't it? It's so, so clever. But then uh, we get the ad, but then we get the added impact of Clara's words in a Dalek voice. Yeah, and it's, it is, I'm assuming this is done intentionally. I mean, if it was done at all, maybe it's just me I, I was putting something on to something that maybe isn't there, but the Dalek sounded feminine, didn't it? There was a, there were certain points when Oswin's voice and the Dalek voice were combined, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Because you had, 
um, you know, when he's, when he's telling her about the eggs and the souffle and, and, and stuff like that, and she, she says eggs, and it becomes exterminate, like yeah. the Dalek from before. Um, but, she, you know, she breaks it, the, the Dalek breaks its chains and goes for the Doctor. Those chains are crap, by the way. Yeah, but then there's a really sort of harrowing sound because Oswin's crying, or the Oswin in her head, is, in, in her mind, is crying. And there is a split second when you can hear the Dalek crying as well. Yeah, that was so strange. It's it's such a bizarre noise, especially coming from a Dalek, that it's only a second, but it really hits you. Mm. And then it's, it's a human, it's a human noise coming from this notoriously unhuman object, isn't it? We've heard Daleks scream. We've heard them be quiet, you know, we've heard them lower the tone of the voice. We've, we've even heard them a little bit fearful. We've, you know, the Dalek in Dalek was almost contemplative, but hearing it cry. Yeah. There's something really, really Im- impactful about that. And then to follow that up with, why do they hate you so much? Yeah. As if as if Oswin's trying to make sense of what she, you know of what she now understands is is the Dalek history with the Doctor, and you know saying they grew stronger in fear of you, and the Doctor saying I know I tried to stop, and she just tells him to run, and she gives a great speech and says I am Oswin Oswald I fought the Daleks and I am human, remember me, and then we get the first playing of what will become Clara's theme music. Yes. Oh, yeah, I picked up on that. Again, another lovely little touch and foreshadowing for when she comes in in a few episodes' time. Yeah, it's it's just a really cleverly done scene. I mean, Jenna Coleman is fantastic in this scene. But then uh, Matt Smith is incredible as well. But oddly, the Dalek is good as well. Because it's almost like this buffer between... Matt Smith's brilliant performance as the doctor in this scene and, and the realization that this poor girl is, is it, she's a lost cause effectively. And he has to explain to her that this is the mm. case. Oswin, uh, Jenna Coleman's character hearing this and then accepting it and obviously going through the emotions that that would entail. But you've got the Dalek in between as a buffer between the two performances between mm. these two brilliant actors doing their, their brilliant thing. It's a really crazy, surreal scene, but it's also absolutely fantastic. It's amazing how they get so much emotion out of an object. Yes. What is effectively, I think, you know, the, well, uh, what was it? Adam in the Eccleston series describes the Dalek as uh, you know, a great big pepper pot. <laughs> you know, and that, that's kind of, you know, they are, they are emotionless machines, but they actually, uh, it, it manages to convey some emotion there. And it's the overlay of the, of the Dalek voice and the Clara voice and, and how well written the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said before about something being a bit too on the nose with the doctor carrying Amy. When Oswin, says, run, you clever boy, and remember, and then looks directly at the camera with that cheeky smile. Was that a bit too on the nose for you? Nah, she can do what she wants, mate. There we go. I thought that's what you'd say. Um, 
<laughs> it's just one of those things. It's like it's kind of like I look at it and just go, "Ah, oh, I see what you're doing." Because like, at this point, yeah. you knew that Jenna Coleman was coming in. Yeah, at some point. But her you filming didn't... of this episode was kept completely secret, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was. So then when she turned up, oh, God, is she coming in now? Mm. When in reality, this was the first episode of Amy and Rory's last five. This this split season seven in half. Mm-hmm. So they had the first five episodes. Then they had the Christmas special, which was the snowmen, which introduced Clara, or what we'd come to understand as a version of Clara. Yeah. And then Clara took over from uh, the Bells of St. John, which was the year after. Um, and I, I actually I went down a bit of a rabbit hole because I thought she turned up in a different Christmas special so I watched that unintentionally but then I went back and watched The Snowmen last night and I actually have to backtrack on myself because on this series while we've been doing this uh, this podcast I've said multiple times I've been saying for years that it always bugged me about Clara's relationship with the Doctor and why she suddenly seemed to be this vital part of his life and how it was all done too quickly and, and yada, yada, yada. I realise now that I've been on some bullshit. Okay. That. <laughs> Interesting. Carry on. I'm, I'm, I'm calling myself out because I watched it last night. I wa- uh, watched this in the afternoon, the first appearance. Then I watched The Snowmen. Um, and then I watched The Bells of St. John. Did a triple header. And between this episode... The Asylum of the Daleks and the Snowmen, they lay it out of, of you know, of, of the importance of Clara and how her existence effectively drags the Doctor back into being the Doctor. Because after he loses Amy and Rory, he goes into seclusion. Mm. He seals himself off. He's living on. He's living in the TARDIS on a cloud. Pops down occasionally to see Vastra, Jenny, and Strax in Victorian London. But Clara needing help from uh, you know with the the great intelligence rocking around and you know trying to get an army you know living ice people to take over the world. And the fact he twigs that she is the same the same person as Asylum of the Daleks. You know he never saw a face, but he recognised the voice. Yeah. Gives him new purpose. You know, how can this person be through throughout time and space and bump into him twice? So he has to find out who she is. And yeah, and, and like you said, it gives him purpose. Yeah, and gives him purpose, you know, gets effectively helps him get over the deaths of Amy and Rory. So of course she's gonna mean a lot to him, and then he, she goes on to be the one that saves him because she dives into his frigging time stream and you know knits it all back together effectively mm. so i've been on some bullshit for years and i'm happy to admit when i'm wrong because i watched this i, I watched this when it all originally aired in my you know early 20s i a lot of the subtlety was lost on me you'll know what it's like being a bloke in your early 20s so we are dull creatures for the most yes. part yeah <laughs> we're absolute fucking idiots for the most part and yeah, um, I'm. I'm really glad to uh, to say that I'm wrong. Yeah, um, fair enough, mate. Yeah, just had to. We just had to get that out there. It's, it's good to get it off your chest, you know. Yeah, there we go. I'm not going to launch into Johnny Vegas, the infamous Johnny Vegas routine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. If you've not seen that, I'll send you the video. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we 
the, the doctor has basically ran back to the teleport device where Amy and Rory are just chewing each other's faces off. They've made up, and I. Oh, how, how, how sort of sickeningly sweet was that? Well, no, they, how, uh, when they say, how long can we wait the rest of our lives? And then they start sobbing. Yeah. And, okay, whatever. That's for, that, that, They're getting back together. They love each other. All right, good luck to them, right? However, the doctor has run back. There's explosions going on. And they're that distracted by this kiss that the doctor just has to go, oh, for goodness sake, grab the teleport controls and fire it up to zap himself, well, zap all of them, sorry, back to the Dalek planet. That bit was bollocks. It's like, come on. I don't care how, how much you love someone. I don't care how horny you are. You're not gonna... <laughs> I was I was just about to say, uh, most of Rory's blood is not in his brain. <laughs> no, but at the same time, it's like, you're not going to ignore the explosions and the doctor turning up, are you? That was nonsense. Yeah, that was harshit. Yeah. It was, again, dis- disgustingly sweet sort of dialogue and and uh, just sort of a bit over the top in, in estab- re-establishing the status quo. Yeah, a bit much, mate, a bit much. But yeah. there you go, I, I can ignore that because of how great this episode was. The doctor basically says he knows a little bit about teleports and he can drop himself, have a bit of control over it, so to speak. So rather than just materializing anywhere in the Dalek parliament, he materializes him, Rory and Amy inside the TARDIS, which is sat in the Dalek parliament. Now that was quite a clever little touch. Yeah. I like that when he's saying that he's, you know, he's, he's pinpoint accurate with teleports. It was, it was brilliant. But then he, he he leans his head out and calls all the Daleks suckers, which is brilliant. Yeah. And then they demand he identify himself. That's, he says, oh, so you know me, I'm the Doctor, the oncoming storm, the Predator. And you get the um, the woman from the beginning, you know, titles are not meaningful in this context. Doctor Who. And you have the whole Dalek parliament ask uh, saying Doctor Who. And the Doctor sort of twigs that Oswin's deleted all knowledge of him from the entire Dalek hive mind. Yeah. And he just sort of zooms out and just says, fellas, you're never going to stop asking. <laughs> oh, and that's basically the end of the episode, Dan, isn't it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Apart from the, he drops Amy and Rory back at home and he, you know, he's zooming off again. Mm. And uh, Amy beckons him in and Rory does a little happy dance. And uh, she just says, I can see you. And he's like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite funny. Um, yeah, and that's that. Um, yeah. And from there, they end up... Uh, the next episode is, uh, is Dinosaurs on a, on a Spaceship. Right. Where Rory's dad gets taken along for uh, for an adventure. And he's the guy from the Far Show, isn't he? He is, yeah. And that's got... Um, it's actually got David Bradley in it as well, who ends up playing um, uh, William Hartnell. Okay. Later on, and also playing the first Doctor in uh, Peter Capaldi's finale. Oh. oh, okay, nice. Yeah, good cast. Fun, fun little episode that is. Yeah, um, it's you know it's, after all this has been going on and how dark it gets and stuff like that, it's it's, it's better to have a mostly sort of light episode. Um, I think that I think that that's the one that has uh, Mitchell and Webber's two like idiotic robots. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit of a weird touch. Oh, it, it, uh, it's nuts, mate. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. So then, Dan, Asylum of the Daleks. Your final thoughts to summarise? I love it. I said before, there's a lot of this I could almost do word for word, and 
yeah, it, I really enjoyed it when I first watched it. Watched it ten years down the line with an older head on my shoulders and a greater appreciation of uh, of certain things. It, it just gets better. Um, I'd put it, it. It's not. It's probably. It probably doesn't crack one of my favourites of all time. But it's definitely the 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 sort of the level just below that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, bloody love it. What about yeah, you, buddy? Yeah, I'm the same. I really, really enjoyed it. I would happily watch it again, not just because of Jenna Coleman, but that does, <laughs> that does play a role, I guess. But no, I would happily watch it again. I I really enjoyed it. I like all the little throwbacks to the older Daleks uh, and all that sort of stuff. And anytime there's mentions of Scaro and and all this, I, I enjoyed all of that. It's it's clever enough to make you think, dark enough to make you be a bit like, okay, this is what Doctor Who should be like, a bit edgy, a bit dark, a bit scary, but not so clever that it's hard to follow and not so dark that I couldn't sit and watch it with my kids. Yeah. So to me, as an episode of Doctor Who that I could sit and watch with my kids if they were ever interested, this kind of ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah, it, it, it walks that line really well. It, I think it, it, it strays on the darker side of things, but as you say, it doesn't go into full-on mm. sort of horror movie mode. It's not like, you know, it's not like Blink that I don't think you'd show, you know, kids of a certain age. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're yeah. nightmares. But um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely one of the better episodes out there and certainly uh, one of the better um, one of the better Matt Smith stories. Mm. Yeah. You picked well. Yeah, thank you, Jenna Coleman, for your influence in my selection. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are our plans for next week, my friend? So next week, we have another guest coming on. Uh, So it's not my pick this time. Uh, Yeah, so my my partner in podcasting, Piss Edry, as I call him on UTT, uh, UTT Rob's coming on, and we're going to be looking at the Patrick Troughton serial, Enemy of the World. Exciting, mate! Exciting. I love a bit of Trouton. I've got. I've grown to really, really like him doing this podcast. So, yeah, I like a bit of Trouton. I've I've not been disappointed by anything I've watched yet. And in fact, well, I mentioned before, I've uh, I've gone out of my way to watch the ten part uh, serial that was his finale, and I, re- I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. I really enjoy his portrayal. So, looking forward to getting into that with uh, with you and having Rob along for the ride. Yeah, well, you say Rob along for the ride. I'm planning on making zero notes because Rob's Doctor Who knowledge far outweighs my own. I'm just going to literally introduce... I'm going to say hello. I'll introduce the show and then probably just mute my mic, sit back and let Rob educate me. So, <laughs> Well, tune in next week for Rob's uh, Patrick Trotter monologue. <laughs> because my knowledge of this time period is, is virtually zero, but I'll, uh, I'll do my best to keep up. Yeah, it's going to be good, mate. It's going to be good. Really looking forward to it. Do you want to let everybody know then whereabouts they can find yourself online and all the shows you're involved in with Rob, who's coming on next week? <laughs> oh, go on then, if I must. Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's six weeks out of date or movies and TV shows that are 25 years out of date. Uh, you can hear me with Rob, who's coming on next week, uh, on Unbooking the Territory, who you can find on Twitter at UTT Podcast. Uh, and on all your, all your podcast providers. Uh, we also do Unbooking the Tankatory, uh, where we look at the uh, the lives and times, the trials and tribulations of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. And I just realised I cocked it up there. Uh, Unbooking the Territory looks at the first and last of professional wrestling. Bit, uh, you know, a bit necessary to put that in there as well. Fair enough, my friend. Fair enough. I think I, I, think I saved it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I'll tie you up with some fantastic editing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> now nah, you won't. It doesn't no, deserve it. It doesn't no, deserve it. Keep the balls up in. Fuck it. Yeah, there we go. It's the only uh, way I'll learn. What I would like everyone to do would be to go and follow uh, the network that I started and run with some you know fantastic people and, and shows that we have available for you there at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook. And that is where you can find the Doctor Who pod. First of all, it has its own stream or channel or however you word it there with all of our old episodes up available for you. Uh, also, new episodes drop on the main SJP World Media feed, along with new episodes of every other show that is part of the network. So that includes Chain Wrestling, Nitro Nights, um, Check In at Power Palace, which has just started with me and my wife basically her just mocking me and pointing out how much of a moron i am and those new shows come in all the time as well go and check that out at sjp world media on twitter and facebook you can find me as well on twitter at sjp words but most importantly you can find this show on facebook and twitter and that's at the doctor who pod that's at the drwho pod at the doctor who pod there we go looking forward to trying next week mate yes absolutely Bit of the second doctor can't go wrong. Exactly. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Dan, I've had a blast once again. Normally it's because I'm talking to you about Doctor Who, but honestly, it's just because I've got Jenna Coleman on my mind. I don't even know what to say to that. How can I com- com- how can I compete with Jenna Coleman? You know, she's you a total, she's a total <laughs> screaming genius. She's fantastic. Jenna, I love you. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, Rory, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will speak to you and our good friend Rob next week, bud. See you next week, pal. Looking forward to it. To everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.
but they refer to him as a predator, as their predator. Yeah. That's mad. I could see that smirk then. You wanted to make a pedo joke, didn't you? No, I didn't. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even answer my mind at all. I was, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> I now, I now need I now need the doctor to have like some sort of like verbal sparring going on with a Dalek and in a Dalek voice just here. I'm getting the word nonce. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, they're gonna find the doctor at a planet. Uh, a podcast we were both very familiar with. I, uh, I speak to this guy uh, at least once a week and record with him once a week. Uh, UTT Rob's coming on, and I'm just trying to find the name of the story he's doing. Um, oh, God, there's so much in this bloody chat. I don't know what it'll be. Why didn't I just fucking write it down? <laughs> Sorry, we two ticks. Yeah, no worries, mate. Is it the mind robber? It doesn't ring a bell. Oh, God. Where did I screenshot that? Oop. I think you sent me a screenshot with everything on, didn't you? Yeah, but it didn't have the title on it. That's what I was just looking at. Ah, uh, okay. Because you told me initially what Rob and... Uh, what Rob and everybody were, were looking at. Uh, Rob, Matt, and, and Marty. Enemy of the world. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my, uh, my my partner in podcasting, Piss Henry, as I call him on UTT, uh, UTT Rob's coming on, and we're going to be looking at the Patrick Troughton serial, Enemy of the World. And then the doctor taps someone on the shoulder and it leans back and it's a rotten skeleton that's still partially fleshed. You can still see the outline of a face around the mouth. Yeah, cheek, the sort of gaunt in the cheekbone. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's not... It reminded me of, of the mummy, if you've ever seen that, when they opened the, the sarcophagus and he's... The, the sort of, you know, the corpse like pops forward and the, the sort of remarking on the condition of the body and they, they describe it as still juicy <laughs> <laughs> mm, juicy <laughs> yeah we've had corpse water now let's have now let's have sarcophagus and juice <laughs> dead dead juicy cheeks um <laughs> one for the necrophiles <laughs> oh dude um, <laughs> cheeks on your face i mean not dead bum cheeks <laughs> well it stands to reason if they've got rotten juicy if they've got rotten juicy cheeks on the face that's exposed to the air, the air around them they're mm. gonna have rotten juicy cheeks which bum cheeks as well like do you reckon your bum cheeks would deteriorate quicker or less quick because there's not there's, there's more muscle and fat there in there so will that accelerate it or just speak for, you yourself, speak for yourself i've got no ass <laughs> <laughs> i've got a massive arse mate mine's like two planets slapping each other in a pair of trousers <laughs> oh, like like two sides of ham in a bag <laughs> yeah i feel we've been like slightly sidetracked again <laughs> 
<laughs> you started asking questions about corpse bums. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just curious because to me, your cheeks on your face, there's not much there. They would decompose quicker than your arse, wouldn't they? Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's Why research not? I'm going to have to do in my own I mean, time, isn't it? You tend to, I suppose, as well, when you, if you know, whoever's buried, you, your face tends to be left to, to what little air's in there. Mm. So, outside forces and whatnot, I suppose. Yeah. So that I've got, I've, I've, I've got, I've got a bit of used, to, I've got a bit of used to working in Marg, Alaskan. Yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> what well, for? Anyway. I, I, now, I, I now know the uh, the next uh, my new question for uh, if anybody's doing an Ask Me Anything podcast. What do you reckon rots first, the cheeks on your face or the cheeks on your ass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But anyway, then we're, we're kind of we're kind of laughing at the shit now when this is actually one of the grimmest the grimmest parts of the uh, uh, of the show. Yeah. Because, what is uh, wrong with us? <laughs> yeah. Let's, oh, let's that, get back on track. Let's, that's, that's, a, that's a question that's not worth asking, mate. Um, oh, let's get back on track. You, you say what, the what doctor. Do the doctor yeah, nudged the body, didn't you? Sorry. Yeah, he nudged the body, and then he's saying, you know, they didn't get this way in two days. How long till COVID becomes a joke? <laughs> well, if you're the British government, you treat it like a joke from day one. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Satire. On that note, <laughs> shall we get on? <laughs> uh, all right, Captain Bellyades, let's get going. Captain Bellyades. <laughs> right. Let's get, let's get your thigh rubbing out of the way. Me what? Let's get your thigh rubbing out of the way. <laughs> oh, oh, suits you. <laughs> right, no, we're not doing that this week because you're ill. You'll, you'll, you'll hurt yourself. Yes, I will. I will. Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> 